Hey guys, welcome back to the morning show. Today is Tuesday, May 25th, 2021, and it is National Missing Children's Day. So hopefully we get to a point sometime in the future where we don't have to have a holiday or observance dedicated to people friggin' stealing children, dude. I know some of them are runaways, but the only reason this day is an observance is because there's assholes out there stealing kids. But, uh, yeah, no, this this episode we're going to have, I did an interview with this guy, Brandon. He's a professional squirrel suit flyer. The link to his YouTube channel will be in the description. Amazing videos. Short, amazing videos, too. It's like right to the point. All you see is the crazy things this dude does. But before we get there, we're going to go through the uh, upkeep, I guess you'd call it jump into some birthdays here first up we got an american hero frank oz is turning 78 today and this dude is a puppeteer that i know you've seen things he's controlled he controlled miss piggy fozzie bear and animal from the muppets he also uh did the cookie monster bert and grover in sesame street and other stuff man but like fozzie bear and the cookie monster had me sold. Dude's turned 78 today. Next up, we're going to jump into Anne Heishi. And I know I screwed her name up, but she is turning 52 today. She played Betty in Milk Money, Dr. Amy Barnes in Volcano, Missy and I Know What You Did Last Summer. And that was the first movie I ever, like, rode to the movie theater to see by myself, well, with my friends. And, like, I'll always remember that trip, but that, uh, I don't really remember the movie, but it was an awesome experience. And then, uh, she also played Rebecca Payne in John Q. So, we got another John Q guy up here, and John Q, man, I'm telling you, that is one of the best movies of all time. If you could put all the Christopher Nolan Batmans into one, and then all of the, uh, Tolkien movies into one, this would be top five, but uh, let's, this is a 90s, 90s movie marathon here, uh, next up we've got Jamie Kennedy, turning 51, he played Samson in Romeo and Juliet, you remember that with the past and Leonardo DiCaprio, um, this dude also played Tommy in Bongwater, he was Randy in Scream 2 and 3. And then he plays Eli James in The Ghost Whisperer. That's one of the shows that my wife's sort of binged through. She doesn't bring that one up all the time. You know, as like background music or background scenery, I guess. Uh, we just got through Grey's Anatomy and Blacklist. I hate cop shows and I hate doctor shows. I wish this one would jump into the list a little more than it does. But uh, next up, we've got... Octavia Spencer, 51 today. She played Twyla in Big Mama's House. Excuse me. She played Tanya in Snowpiercer. She was Opal in Bad Santa 1 and 2. And then she played Ma in the movie Ma. Which, you know, we had that to our Halloween list. We I think we got it last year or the year before. More of a suspense movie. If you see that one, you know, on one of your sites where you're watching movies yeah maybe put that one with the purge you know watch it on fourth of july or something um next up we got 
Ethan Suplay. So this dude, you hear the dude's name spread all over the place. I mean, he was just on Joe Rogan. But man, this guy has been with me since I was a little kid on all sorts of things I've watched. He's turning 45 today. First place I ever saw him, he played Frankie in Boy Meets World. And realistically, I know Sean had a little little run there in the 90s. But I think, I think uh, Ethan is the only one out of that TV show that made it anywhere. Um, you know, I know the freaking main character did the Goonies, but this dude's been in everything, man. He was Andrew in Raising Hope, amazing television show. He was Randy in My Name is Earl, another amazing television show that they just canceled out of nowhere mid-season. All the crap they have on TV and they're canceled. They canceled Raising Hope, too. But uh, he also played Seth in American History X. And then jumping back into John Q, he was the security guard. So happy birthday, Ethan. Next up, we've got Cillian Murphy. And I know I screwed this dude's name up. Irish actor. Played in a lot of great, great movies. He's turning 45 today as well. But uh, he played the Scarecrow in the Christopher Nolan Batman films. He played Tommy in Peaky Blinders, which was a really cool show. And then he played Jim in 28 Days Later. And 28 Days Later was like the first zombie movie I saw that got me actually into zombies. You know what I'm saying? That was like the first like good zombie movie. And you can argue with me about all the crap that was out before that, all the crap, but uh, yeah, that does it for the birthday, I guess it was all 90s actors that are old now, but uh, let's jump into the history of the day today, first up, in 1865, the Ordnance Depot exploded in Mobile, Alabama, killing 300 people. Then we jumped in 1953, where the U.S. conducted its first and only nuclear artillery test at the Nevada test site. And, um, yeah, I would have thought they would have tested it more than that. I don't know if that's like a Wikipedia screw-up there, but uh, we can all agree Hills Have Eyes happened at that location. And we're jumping down to 1955, there was an F5 tornado that ripped through Udall, Kansas, killing 80 people and injuring 273. You know, just to put that ego on hold and know that it can happen at any time, man. 1966, the Explorer 32 is launched. And then in 1968, the St. Louis Gateway Arch was dedicated. So I've actually driven through this thing like five or six times or by it or whatever. I I should have a picture from last year when we drove through it. And it is pretty cool to see, you know. I mean, every time I've driven by it, it's like sort of like a, you're not quite there yet. There's still some days of sucking, but it is something cool to break up the monotony. Next up, in 1977, the first or fourth, or I I don't know where they're at now. I lost Star Wars a long time ago, but the first released Star Wars video uh, came to theaters. 
And then we jumped down to 1977 where the Chinese government, well, I guess same year, the Chinese government removed a decade-old ban on Shakespeare's work ending the Cultural Revolution of 1966. Seems kind of weird that they banned Shakespeare, but what, what do I know about the Chinese culture? Absolutely nothing. And then in uh, 1978, a bombing at the Northwestern University was the first bombing of the Unabomber's series of bombing. And fun fact, I've actually been pulled over and searched once for looking like the Unabomber. And yes, the cop actually told me that he pulled me over on the sole fact that I look like the Unabomber. Had all my landscape shit, my truck but I had those big dark safety goggles on with my hood up because it's winter time. And, uh, yeah, I guess that's probable cause enough. 1979, American Airline Flight 191 crashed during takeoff, man. During takeoff. Imagine all the other people at the airport looking out those windows and seeing this thing crash during takeoff. It killed 271 people on board. And then two more people on the ground. So, <clears throat> good luck to all you who are taking a flight this week. In 1985, around 10,000 people died from a tropical cyclone in Bangladesh. And before we jump into the next little piece of history here, it's not all bad, man. There is some good, kinda. In 1986, Hands Across America happened. And this was an event where 5 to 6.5 million Americans held hands for 15 minutes to form a continuous human train, or chain, not train, that sounds weird, a continuous human chain from California to New York. So it wasn't actually a continuous, unbroken chain of people. But in order to allow the maximum number of people to attend without having to drive 600 miles out into the middle of nowhere and have the worst traffic nightmare in the history of the world, you know, they kept them in the cities there. The path linked major cities, so there was an actual chain that linked major city to major city. It's just like when you get out, you know, cornfields and desert and forest hundreds of miles they they didn't have that but uh, the path did link the major cities and uh, in those areas it was like six to ten people deep or wide however you want to say that but uh, but if it was one continuous line with people spread out four feet apart it would have resulted in a continuous change. It's still friggin' amazing they got that many people to sit out and hold hands for 15 minutes. Um, yeah, I mean, now social distancing definitely would have made it. Six feet apart definitely would have made it. You add, add an extra two feet to that, would have had that thing like cakewalk. Um, this event was done to raise money for the famine in Africa and then the hunger and homelessness in the U.S. And there was $34 million raised altogether. They said on average each, 
most is what they said most participants uh, gave ten dollars that math doesn't add up but uh, this this math doesn't either uh, so they raised the 34 million but only 15 million dollars of that went to charity so after the 18 million dollars in operating costs people were like hmm wonder what's going on here but uh you know they did have the hands across america theme song play simultaneously on hundreds of radio stations at exactly 3 p.m eastern time so i guess maybe a little of the cost could went to that i, I mean maybe i don't know but uh let's get back to it here in 2001 eric wahinmeyer became the first blind person to reach the summit of Mount Everest. And then in 2002, um, another plane crashed, so more bad news, but uh, it was Chinese Airline Flight 611. It just disintegrated midair, killing all 225 people on board. Then we jump down to 2008 when the Phoenix Lander supposedly, I mean, it uh, touched down in Green Valley on Mars looking for microbial life and water. You know, maybe in 2008, maybe they did. We had had fairly good computers in 2008, so they probably touched down on Mars in 2008. I'm not going to dispute that one. But in 2011, Oprah had her last show after 25 years. I thought that show went on a lot longer than 25 years. But uh, 2012, the SpaceX Dragon became the first commercial spacecraft to dock the International Space Station and just give Elon Musk permanent fame. Um, and then surprisingly, I didn't, I, you know, I listen to the news every day. I try to get stories for the podcast. I do it even like when the times I haven't done the podcast, but apparently last year, 2020 was George Floyd, George Floyd day. It was the day George Floyd lost his life in Minnesota. Might've got a little people on edge. Um, I'm surprised that wasn't all over the news today. I mean, I listened to like two, three hours of news. I didn't hear anything about tomorrow or tomorrow as I'm recording. What I meant to say was today. I didn't hear anything about uh, this being the anniversary of George, George Floyd's death. So. But uh, yeah, no, that does it for all my nonsense. I kept you on for an extra 15 minutes. So let's jump into that interview. And I'm telling you, you are not going to be disappointed. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Okay, guys, we're back. And today we got Brandon. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, my name is Brandon Mikesell. I'm a professional wingsuiter. Um, I've been wingsuiting for about 11 to 12 years now, and uh, I like to jump off of stuff for a living and jump out of airplanes. Okay, how did you get into Because the first time I ever saw it is that uh, Grinding the Crack YouTube video. Like, that was oh, yeah. probably about that, that time, huh? 10, 11 years ago? 
Yeah, it's funny too. That was a uh, yeah, that was definitely a video that I saw as well too when I was first starting out. It's a uh, yeah, it's an amazing video, that's for sure. And and how everyone starts out is they start out by skydiving. So you end up just getting your skydiving license. Um, and once you get your license, you build up hundreds and hundreds of jumps. And then after skydiving, you then start to venture into base jumping, which is an acronym for building antenna span and earth. Okay. And then from there, then you start to then tie the two in together and you start to spend more hundreds and hundreds of jumps of trying to tie those things in together. So you can see how, you know, hundreds and thousands of jumps later, we're talking many, many years later before you start to see stuff that you see on YouTube and all that. Yeah. So, and now that's, that's like your career. Yeah. 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 For sure. I, um, I, I worked a normal job like anybody else for a very, very long time. And, uh, and then once I was about, I want to say five, six years in, um, to the sport, I started to get, you know, super fortunate and had companies and things reach out that allowed me to quit my day job and do this stuff full time. So yeah, I definitely can't complain at all. Yeah, that's cool, man. So yeah, like, where, where do you normally go? Like it's, that's all over the world then, huh? Yeah. Like there's. U.S. is great because it's one of those things where it's like it's so accessible, right? Because I live in the U.S., so it's so accessible, um, both like just being here, just being able to drive around and go to it. But unfortunately, in the U.S., there's all of our national parks. It's illegal to jump in it. So that's why a lot of us travel to Europe and these other countries where they fully allow you to enjoy the outdoors and do whatever you like and do whatever you um, feel like doing in the nature. So a lot of us will travel to Europe for ease of access and, and like for legal reasons and stuff like that. Okay. And then um, like, what are you looking for when you, when you're looking, cause that's, that's got something to do with lift, right? When you're in a wingsuit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so think of it kind of like a parachute. So a parachute is essentially ram air. So what happens is air is literally ramming into the parachute and then at the end it's closed. And so what that's doing is it's inflating it and kind of creating a wing. So then once you do that, um, then it turns into kind of like a wingsuit as well too. We use the same type of technology. We have many little vents that are on our arm wing and leg wing and stuff. And those vents are just ram air. So when you jump off of a cliff or you jump out of a plane, what's gonna happen is that air is gonna ram into those vents and then it's going to create more of like a rigid wing. And then that's what we're going to use to glide through the air. And normally we get like a three to one glide ratio. So that means we're going three feet forward for every foot down. Okay. And where, where can somebody check your jumps out at? Yeah. So uh, you can go to YouTube and type in Brandon, B-R-A-N-D-O-N, wingsuit. And a lot of that stuff will pop up and my channel will pop up and all that. Uh, but even if it's not just me, just type it in wingsuit. And then I'm sure you can find me. I have uh, like some ski goggles and a helmet on. Um, I have a pretty unique look that nobody really has. So it's pretty easy to find me. Okay, cool. And then like when, so like with grinding the crack or any of the other ones, like when you're getting super low or like going in between trees and stuff, how do you... I mean, you, you've got some control over that, but man, some of these videos, it looks like you guys get really, really close to stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. That's a very good question. That a lot of people have, right. They're like, okay, I see you guys getting really close to stuff, but 
how much control do you have? And yeah, I mean, I think, I think it might seem like we don't have that much control, but a good example would be um, there was an, a huge event that we did uh, every year in China, uh, like before COVID and everything hit. And what it was is we would put a target um, the size of like a regular small poster, right? Think of like maybe uh, four regular sheets of paper all kind of put together, right? Like pretty small. Then okay. within that foam, foam target is like an archery where it has the rings, right? And then we have points inside those rings. So if you picture us hitting like a poster size thing hanging on like the side of a cliff and then within that we hit rings and we're trying to put like what what would be the size of like a gopro so the size of like that small thing into a ring and the bullseye that's probably the size of an apple right so if you think about how how accurate we are with that then you start to really realize like oh okay they actually are pretty pretty accurate and like they can really get down and close and have enough range and still feel like even if you're 10 feet from something that you have um, the utmost control over that. Now there's certain conditions and things that don't really, you know, might not allow that sometimes, you know, if it's really windy or there's a lot of gusts or thermals and things like that, but that's where we know off of our experience to kind of stay away from those things. But normally if it's a nice, good day, yeah, when we can put um, like a GoPro through a target that's the size of an apple. That's crazy. And then, yeah, yeah. Are you guys walking up there? Or, I mean, is that, is it like a long hike every time you do a jump? Or do you get a lot of lifts up? Or, yeah. So, that's another reason actually why people travel to Europe. Like, another main reason why they do is because Europe is so accessible with gondolas everywhere, right? They build like gondolas on every big mountain they possibly see. Uh, so, it's super accessible in Europe. So, instead of having to spend half the day, hiking up or doing something like that like we have to do in the states and stuff is um there you simply just take a gondola up uh, but if you don't travel to europe in those fancy places that have those then yes like um i live in washington state um and so we have a lot of jumps out here so yes all of our jumps we're spending anywhere between three to six or seven hours trying to hike up the mountain before we actually jump so it's it's definitely pretty exhausting yeah, I'd imagine. Is, this, is that like one or two jumps a day when you're doing it here then? Yeah, when we're doing it here, usually we'll try to do one jump a day. If we're lucky, if it's one of the longer hikes, usually we're just going to do one jump a day. But if it's a shorter one, you know, there's some there's some random small jumps that are accessible by a car and then maybe just a short hike, you know, maybe like a 20-minute flat hike or something. And usually if it's that, then yeah, then we can do like a couple jumps a day, maybe even a few jumps a day, depending on the weather. And do you guys have like a big group out in Washington that uh, all do it or? Yeah, so that's a great question, right? Because when I first started, there was, there was maybe only a handful of us in the whole entire state. There was maybe like five of us in the state. Um, but now that the sport has really, really grown a lot. So there's definitely a lot more people. Now, with that being said, when I say there's a lot more people, you know, now there's probably 15 of us, you know. Um, okay. uh, but like at the same time, five from 15 that's a huge growth right like especially with with that type of stuff um, um but it kind of comes and goes in waves right like at the same time i've been around long enough to see it come and go like in waves when i first started there was only a handful of us in the state 
uh, but now it's really blossomed. And then there'll be some years where you kind of get like a lull and there's not as many people jumping, but for the most part, yeah, we got a pretty good group and a pretty good crew that usually try to try to stick together and make smart choices and go out and have fun. That's cool, man. You guys, you guys have to have some sort of exercise for that, right? I mean, I've, whenever I've seen those videos, it doesn't look like you're just holding your arms out. Like you, you got some pressure there, huh? Holding your legs out and your arms out. Yeah, yeah. So that's another great question that a lot of people have, right? It's like, they're like, oh man, it looks so tiring. Like it looks like it's like you got to do like an arm workout, right? Just to even hold it in there. But surprisingly enough, actually, um, back in the day, you had to do that a lot more. Like when wingsuits first came out, uh, you were kind of yeah. holding that position. But nowadays, there's really a lot of technology that goes behind it that um, um, they they inflate through that ram air. And that ram air, it holds a pretty solid rigid wing. So with the amount of technology and science we have behind wingsuits now for the past, I don't know, probably seven, eight years now, you don't really have to hold that form at all. The actual wing shape, when it when it has the ram air coming in, once it forms that, it's actually pretty casual. Um, there are sometimes like, you know, say you're skydiving from 20,000 feet or something and you're wingsuiting, that might get a little tiring and exhausting just because of like the blood flow and everything and kind of how, how like you're kind of angled with it. But for the most part, it's pretty casual. It's really not that hard. Um, I'm not really a workout person at all. Uh, so that being said, I really have like no problem holding that form. Okay. Yeah, no, man. I, the first time I saw it, I, I always thought like, what, what happens if this dude's leg cramps up or something, you know? it's Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like, we've definitely had that. Like, that's probably the scariest thing is like when you're hiking for so long, right? And like, you try to bring enough snacks and water, because, but whatever you uh, hike up with, you got to jump down with, right? So we try to keep it pretty minimal. Um, yeah. And yeah, yeah, there's definitely times where we've had like calf cramps or leg cramps or something. And it's not that like you're gonna all of a sudden do something crazy. It's just then that leg becomes not functional. So like these small micro adjustments that you're making are no longer there. So it's like, oh, oh, you know, it's kind of painful sometimes. So yeah. And like the first first couple jumps you did in the actual wingsuit, that was out of a plane then? Yeah, so that's where we do all of our training pretty much. So all of our training is pretty much from skydiving. Uh, so we'll jump out of a plane, right? Because a plane, when we jump out at, we jump at like 13,000 feet and we pull right around 3,000 feet. So we have about 10,000 feet to like really figure things out and train. Um, and so that's usually where we do all of our training. And then once we've done that training, then we take it into the mountains and that type of environment. What was it like doing your first mountain jump? Oh man, it was crazy. Like I still remember like it was yesterday. Um yeah, I was in Europe and and then like a beautiful spot. And I think it's really one of those things where it's kind of hard to explain. I know a lot of people think that it might be kind of an adrenaline rush and you're like so, so amped up and like that's why you do it. But it's actually, it's actually not that at all. Most people that I jump with, including myself, is we actually do it based off of that calmness once you leave, right? So some call that a extreme form of meditation right there's two spectrums of that and ours is kind of that extreme form which is yes the adrenaline is there like before you leave but as soon as you do the countdown and as soon as you're like three two one and you leave and as soon as you're about to leave 
all that's gone, right? You're not thinking about your job. You're not thinking about money. You're not thinking about, you know, um, uh, where you're going to eat next. You're solely just focused on this one moment. And then through there, there's no more adrenaline, right? Like that adrenaline is gone. You're just focused in on the moment, just living in the moment. So um, for leading up to it, yes, it's pretty scary. But at the same time, right, I did thousands of junk beforehand. I was trained for, you know, several, several years before that just to make sure I was ready. So uh, definitely exhausting after the first jump. But yeah, that first moment of leaving it and like flying away from it was was amazing. So what do you think the next progression in it is? I mean, because like when I first saw that wingsuit thing, it was like, you know, I'd seen base jumping and stuff like that before. But like somebody's always pushing it. I, can you push it farther than a wingsuit? Yeah, I mean, that's a very good question. So I'm not sure if you've seen the Dubai guys, um, uh, they're ex-Dubai. And what it is, is uh, they have these X-wings. I'm not sure if you've seen it. It's pretty much like a rigid wing. That's actually like a real wing that's dropped onto their back and they have jet engines attached. Have you seen that before? Oh, no, I have not. I'm going oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, you should definitely, like, once we're done, you should go on YouTube. You should um, type in a jet wing. And there's um, guys that have been doing that. And in my personal opinion, that's kind of the next step. Um, wingsuiting, unfortunately, is is a very, very basic form of flight, right? Um, to where realistically, we can make the wingsuits bigger. And I'm sure there's going to be technology that then will allow us to make bigger wingsuits to get a better glide. But yeah. as far as the next step in like human flight, it's definitely the jet wings, the X wings. It's definitely those wings that have the jet engines on them. Um, it, it's insane. You're going to see it and it's going to blow your mind. Like for somebody, uh, they just did it a couple of years ago. They maybe just released it a year ago or like maybe during COVID times. But uh, like essentially a guy is on the ground, takes off um, about 10 feet, starts to hover around, move around, and then literally just takes off into the skyline and just disappears. Like not like the guys that have, have like the rockets on their feet and their hands and they're kind of like cruising around. This guy is literally thousands of thousands of feet in the air, just like a jet and just takes off. Like it was mind blowing to see. Yeah, that's crazy, man. When you try all this stuff, cause like I, I had uh, was talking to a guy about doing the motorless planes, you know, where they, they tow them behind a real plane and then he just flies around the plane. Like once I start looking into that kind of stuff for the podcast, like, you know, whether it's the parachute with the fan on the back or windsurfing or, I mean, there are so many ways that people fly somehow, you know, it, are yeah. you looking into doing anything other than that uh, X-Wing? You know what, like what's, what's pretty awesome is that you mentioned just, maybe wanted to try that out and kind of get into these other ventures, right? There's so many different ways to fly now with human flight that it's really amazing. Um, me personally, with my time and kind of where I really invested is I try to invest it in, you know, one or two couple things, but I try not to um, sprawl myself out too much. So for the most part, as of right now, I'll probably stick with just wingsuiting for now. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was doing a small adventure a few years back that was along the same lines of the X-Wing, but just more of like getting towed behind a plane. 
uh, through like, uh, like you remember the cartoon back in the day called Tailspin? Yeah. Yeah, you know the kid that would jump out of the plane and kind of have like this disc and stuff and like would fly behind it? Vaguely, yeah. Yeah, so like essentially that's what we were trying to do. We we're trying to do this project back in the day. Um, uh, but some issues arose and so we ended up having to bail on it. But like small ventures and things like that, I will. But unfortunately, I'll probably stay away from the uh, X-Wings and stuff like that. Like the jet wings. I'll probably stay away from that. Um, I probably won't venture too far down that road um because unfortunately uh with that being said they are amazing but one of the guys actually just recently passed away uh from doing that um so yeah so there's definitely things that they are pioneers and in this sport and they are pioneers and doing things that nobody could ever imagine before uh but with that everything has a cost right so yeah has has anybody mixed in like doing like downhill mountain biking or snowboarding or something where they're jumping out of a helicopter and then like hit a ramp and then exit the snowboard or bike and go straight into the wingsuit is that there are there there was some guys um jt holmes and uh sean uh mcconkey um those two guys back in the day what they were doing is they were doing heli bait or sorry not not heli base but ski base and ski base is essentially skiing off of a cliff and then getting rid of your skis and or sometimes they like keep their skis on um um and then they land on their skis and stuff after they deploy their parachute but what these guys were doing which is totally different is they were doing it in a very basic form of a wingsuit way back in the day. And so they would ski off the cliff, have a wingsuit already on, and then they would launch their skis away from them and keep flying, right? So they they really pioneered that. And it was a very, like, very, very cool thing back in the day. It was mind-blowing to see. Um, but unfortunately with that as well, too, when you're pioneering something and you're starting something like that, one of the guys did pass away from that. Um, yeah. And then that, that kind of – that kind of small aspect kind of faded away for a little bit and it's not really done as much anymore, but ski base is definitely done where you're just skiing off of a cliff um, um, or like snowboarding off of a cliff. And, and, and then, yeah, um, kind of just using your parachute right after that. Yeah. Do you, do you have a lot of trips coming up? Like did COVID, I wouldn't imagine COVID would have shut you down too hard, huh? Other than going to Europe. But do you have any big trips you're looking for this year? Yeah, so um, I was super, super fortunate. When, when the COVID thing happened, um, it, it did shut down some plans, especially for Europe and doing some filming and stuff over there and doing some courses over there. Um, so that was a bummer. But at the same time, I am super fortunate um, in the sense of um, I got to go do a few projects uh, this past year while COVID was still going on. Um, so yeah, I was super fortunate. Um, I still got to travel. Um, I still got to go to these countries, um, and really have, have like a good time and jump. Now with that being said, right, we're not in crowded areas when we're jumping, right? Like most of the time we're kind of secluded from people. Um, but even when we did some city jumps, we did some city flying and stuff, flying through us buildings and skyscrapers and stuff in our wingsuits. And even then, you know, we had parts of the city shut down. We were tested a bunch of times um just to make sure that everyone's safe right but it was super super fortunate um 
but like to still travel and do those things. Um, for this year, uh, yeah, unfortunately, Europe kind of put a small damper, uh, but no, no major projects right now. Just I'm, I'm like really focused in on my courses. Me and my best friend, um, who's also my cameraman, uh, we, we have been setting up these courses for people uh, for the past like three or four years now. We've been trying to get that together. And so uh, it's been awesome. Like a lot of people have been taking them. And so that's where most of my time and, um, and stuff is spent right now. Is there a huge demand for, because every time I've ever seen it, you know, I always thought that's kind of out of my reach. I mean, I got you know, three kids now and all the, the courses and everything you'd have to take, all the jumps. I mean, costs quite a bit of money, I would imagine. What would you say for like a kid who wants to get into it? Yeah, I mean, it's... <laughs> It's definitely, I definitely could have bought a house by now with all the money that I spent on the sport, right? Like it's definitely really expensive and I've been super fortunate um, to kind of make a living out of it. Um, but with somebody who just wants to get into the sport is just, there are jobs you can do that are at the drop zone, which is what we call um, like the skydiving centers where you get your license and do all your jumps and stuff out of a plane. Um, there's a lot of jobs you can do there that will still pay the bills while still allowing you to jump every day. Okay. So if somebody's re really focused in on wanting to do that, that's the best way. Um, it's like you can really engulf yourself in the sport, get a job in the sport that you love while still being able to pay your bills and still being able to make a living and do what you want to do. Um, so, yeah, so that's usually the best way to do it. But me, so like a I didn't really – yeah like same deal that opportunity lays there just like for snowboarders and stuff yeah exactly it's like any sport right if you really want to get into it and you want to engulf yourself in it and there's plenty of ways to do that um and like some people don't do that and they just continue to work their job like i did for the longest time i just worked my job like a normal person and saved every penny i had you know i didn't spend a penny on anything else but the sport and went into you know a crap load of debt for it, but in the long run, it paid off and, and I'm enjoying what I love to do, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it, the kids who do it for the snowboarding, you know, that's, uh, I just had one on the podcast not too long ago and he goes fishing in Alaska, um, all summer long. And then he works for a different boat, you know, for another season. And he pretty much does this so he can snowboard all uh every winter and he's been doing it for years and i mean yeah that's smart right that's i mean that's a genius way yeah 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 i mean there's certain ways we can all try and find avenues in order to do what we want to do right what i've noticed with a lot of people is that we find more excuses on not to do things and why we shouldn't do those things than to actually do those things right so if you really want it you can make it happen you know yeah, yeah for sure is there like a, I mean, I guess you're going to different countries and everything, but like, is there a stop season for it? Or do you pretty much get to do it all year round? Like in Washington, for example, there's got to be like, you can't do it too much in the winter or. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because of, uh, because our sport is so weather dependent, um, usually our best times are going to be during the summer. Um, and then on top of that too, snow access right so we can't even get to these mountaintops we can't even get to these cliffs and stuff because there's so much snow because usually the places that we jump are in a higher spot on the mountain it's in a higher 
um, um, I'm forgetting the word for some odd reason to slip in my mind, but yeah, but it's in a higher spot, right? So there's going to be snow like most of the year. So usually summertime. Now, with that being said, some people will actually travel down south. Uh-huh. So then that gives them during the winter months up here, it gives them time to still jump. So there's definitely ways you can go about it to still still allow jumping most of the year. Um, I definitely did a lot of jumping year round because I would do the same thing um, during the winter and the and like the early spring. I would travel down south, go to these other mountains, go to the warmer weather and still just train and jump. Is it cold when you're, like you said, uh, you know, I mean, out here where we're at too, there's snow on the mountains, even in the heat of summer, like the middle of summer. Is it cold in that suit? Yeah. So, um, (coughs) oh, excuse me. Um, It's definitely cold when you're skydiving during like the fall and winter and springtime around here because it's so cold. Uh, so usually we'll like layer up, you know, three or four layers and then we'll wear gloves and everything else like that. But in the mountains, it can get cold. Don't get me wrong. Like, especially if you get caught in like a bad weather storm or something like that. But for the most part, it's not that bad. Usually when we're jumping, because usually it is during the warmer months, whether it's up here or down South. So yeah. So usually it's not too bad, but skydiving, it can definitely get super cold in Washington for sure. Like when you're at 13,000 feet and it's, negative 40 degrees or negative 20 degrees or whatever you know it can get super cold yeah and I, I would imagine just like you know eventually you're wrapped up so much you're like the kid from a christmas story that's gotta, <laughs> that's gotta hinder you a little huh yeah yeah for sure the um like the wingsuits give a little bit of room for some extra clothing but yeah it does become a little bit tight the main thing for us actually is the uh, it's like the gloves for a lot of people. That's a very weird thing. They're super particular about having gloves on because uh-huh. most of the time we like, we try to jump with the gloves, right? Cause you just want, I'm like, we're just muscle memory, right? We're just like, we really want to same thing over and over again. So when somebody wears gloves, it feels weird. And like, they're not as grippy and you can't grab stuff as much. So I'm, I'm like reaching back to pull your shoe and do that stuff. Sometimes with two layers of gloves can become kind of difficult. So sometimes I can, kind of hinder you a little bit for sure yeah no it's that doesn't seem good what (laughs) um, i only got we got about two minutes left but where is the coolest place you've ever jumped Ooh, the coolest place i have to go back to every time which is panama city in panama um that's my coolest place because for me at least i've always had like a dream of flying through the city you know doing the batman thing right like Uh just being a full-on like superhero so for me, being able to fly my wingsuit through buildings and skyscrapers and stuff like that, that's by far like the best place I've been to. There's beautiful mountains everywhere and I love them, but like only a handful of people in this whole entire world have flown through a city. And I'm definitely one of those people that was super lucky. And yeah, that's definitely my favorite for sure. Oh, cool. Is that one on YouTube? Yeah, yeah. Like I have actually a couple of videos of, of, of us doing that. Um, in Panama because because we've gone back there a few times now uh, so yeah so those are up there as well too cool I'm gonna have to check those out awesome y'all have to text me and let me know what you think of them afterwards yeah for sure I'll link them to the link them to the podcast too cool but, uh, yeah I gotta check out that x-wing too 
Yeah, yeah, that, that's going to blow your mind for sure. Yeah, I mean, the wingsuit blows my mind, man. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah, yeah, of course, man. I, um, I definitely appreciate you giving me the time and just reaching out. Like, I always like to spend as much time with people as I can to try and explain my sport and chat about it and kind of hear, like, their opinions and stuff. So I, I definitely appreciate you reaching out. No, thank you, man. It is an awesome sport. Uh, thanks, man. We definitely appreciate it. We definitely appreciate the love and support. That's for sure. Well, you have a good day. Thanks. You as well, too. Take it easy. All right. You too.